1: It's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL and from you. Call now 801 575 8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. We will be taking your calls 801 575 8255. You can also text us at 57500. Governor, I'd like to start out with some good news that you announced on the coronavirus front, and I understand that you are reducing the risk level for some counties today.
0: That's that's right, Maria. It's been another good um, another good week for us on the coronavirus front. We continue to see declines in cases, although that has plateaued a little bit over the uh, the last couple of weeks. But we're 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 seeing decreased cases in in several of our counties. We had three counties that that went from moderate to low, uh, and we're we're so excited to have counties like Washington County, which was the biggest one, in Kane County, the, the, see those counties moving into a lower transmission state, and it, it's just more evidence that. Where things are, are, are subsiding, that our vaccinations are working, and uh, I just got my second dose as well, so for those on the video feed, if you see me moving my arm and kind of rubbing <laughs> it, I'm told to do that, so, so it doesn't hurt as much.
2: I got mine last Wednesday, so I kind of beat you on that one, Governor. Good, good but for you. We've also uh, reached a record number of vaccinations in the state, haven't we?
0: We we have, yeah. We we've had uh, about 1.8 million doses total, first and second doses that have been administered over uh, well over 700,000 people now are fully vaccinated, and this was our biggest week ever—over 200,000 uh, vaccinations, uh, first and second doses in one week. So it's it's just incredible, um, you know. When, when, when I took office 101 days ago, we had just over 300 people that were fully vaccinated. And now to think that we have over 700,000 people fully vaccinated just 100 days later is uh, is, is a really big deal. Um, and, and you're seeing that in, in the, the numbers, especially the mortality numbers, because we focused on our elderly population, our most at risk population. That was a decision we made uh, when, when I became governor. And it was the right one. Some states did not do that. And what that means is because, uh, you know, about three fourths of our deaths have come from those over the age of 65 uh, and now 85 percent of those are, are vaccinated. So we're, we're, we're you know, we're playing with the numbers and uh, the numbers are in our favor now, which for the first time in this pandemic.
2: I would like to get your impressions on the lifting of the mask mandate. We did that last Saturday. I have to tell you, I was in a restaurant. I don't want to be a fearmonger or a naysayer. I don't want to come across that way. But there are some concerns with just everyone deciding, oh, suddenly that they're not going to wear a mask. It made me a little nervous. I'm going to continue wearing a mask. But are you concerned that our numbers are going to rise as a result?
0: Well, t- time will tell. Again, you know, we this was uh, this was very controversial. We had pushed uh, for a May timeline. We wanted more people to get vaccinated. the uh, The legislature was pushing pushing for a March timeline, and uh, April is is where we uh, we ended up in those negotiations. And so, look, what I can tell you is that there are other states that have done this: uh, Texas, uh, Montana, and they have not seen an increase. Um, they they removed their mask mandate before we did. It, it's also important to note that wearing mask and a mask mandate are not the same thing. Um, there are still lots of people like you uh, Maria who who uh, will continue to wear their masks. There are lots of businesses that are, that are continuing to wear masks or, or requiring mask wearing. I'm also wearing a mask. I'm not fully vaccinated. I want to make sure other people around me have the opportunity to get fully vaccinated. And so we're being careful. So there there it, is, it isn't a one to one. Not everybody is getting rid of their masks right right away. So I think that's important to point out. And and, and look, this is this is an opportunity for people to uh, to to, uh, to to voluntarily do these things, I would also point out there are, there are very few restrictions, um, if if any, in the state right now, and, and uh, most people don't even know that. Um, you know, for example, um, uh, religious gatherings. Uh, there there have been no restrictions on size or even mask uh, restrictions for religious gatherings, whether churches or temples, since October. Um, so so churches c- could have you know full congregations with no mask, but they're being very careful and that's the right thing to do. Um, so we're seeing that in, in, in other places as well. The jazz games um, could have, now there, we do have a mask restriction for over 50 in non-religious uh, 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 connotations. So, you know, you would have to, if you filled up the Arena, you would have to wear masks uh, and they're doing that anyway. But the NBA and the Utah Jazz have decided that they're not quite at a, a place where they feel safe with that being full yet. And that's, that's the right thing for them to do. So look, we're, we're going to continue to give the best information we can. We're going to continue Uh, to encourage people to wear masks until more people have the opportunity to get vaccinated. And uh, we're very hopeful that we can continue to drive down those case numbers.
2: There's no doubt all of us want businesses to be open. We want the theaters open. We want our churches open. We want to have that freedom. But are you afraid that, you know, removing the mask mandate sends a message that things are safe when maybe they're not?
0: Well, I, I hope that people are listening to the actual message we're sending, and the actual message we're sending is that uh, we are not out of this pandemic yet. Uh, that we we still have. Look, there there are still you know twenty to thirty people every day that are being hospitalized. That's a that's a fairly large number. Now, again, the good news is that we're seeing fewer deaths because uh, the people who are most at risk are dying uh, of dying are are getting vaccinated at the highest rates. So so uh, w- what I do hope is I I sometimes I don't think we give people enough credit. Um, there were a lot of people who you know weren't paying attention to the pandemic anyway but i think most utahns were and still are and uh they'll they'll continue to uh to to do the right thing and that's what we're encouraging them to do
2: governor we're going to jump into our calls just a bit early here because we have um, some folks who want to kind of chime in on what we're talking about Uh, the first one is john in ogden and good afternoon john what is your question for the governor
1: yeah. Hey, thanks, Governor. And uh, I appreciate everything you did. I got one more week till my second shot and let's just keep it going. But on a different topic, the stimulus money that we're getting, we're getting every month from the child, child tax credit and the state money that we got from the
0: COVID relief bill.
1: Um, what, what is the impact going to be on Utah for, for the budget and then for the child poverty? What, what are the projections to pull
0: children out of hunger, poverty, and and by giving that, that extra money per month instead of a tax break at the end of the year. Yeah, thank you. So we, we, we don't have any uh, projections yet on on what that will do to uh, for for child poverty, but of course we're we're very hopeful. I mean, it's interesting to note that Utah has the uh, the, the the second lowest uh, child poverty rate in the nation. So we, we we do that better here in Utah than just about anywhere else, and and that's really good news for our kids. Uh, but unfortunately, we do know that we we we, ha- we have too many kids still living in poverty. That uh, that food insecurity. Is still a thing for far too many kids. In fact, there's some data out there that that one in five kids will experience some um, some sort of food insecurity in the state. Wondering where uh, you know a meal during the week is going to come from, and uh, and so this will certainly help. Um, we we we, uh, we we like the idea that that these families will be able to get some some assistance through throughout the year. Um, and and then there there is money coming to the state. Um, we uh, there's some disagreement over whether uh, this is this is too much. Um, I, I will tell you, I I tend to be in that camp. I I think uh, that Utah is one of the states that is doing very very well. In fact, we because we were so careful, because we were able to keep our economy open and do it the right way. We had a record, uh, a record year for our budget. Um, we were able to invest record amounts in, uh, in education, which Utah's want. We we're able to invest uh, record uh, amounts in infrastructure and give a $100 million tax cut back to, um, to our, our seniors, um, uh, to our, our military veterans, and to families. So that's something we're, we're really excited about. Um, and, and, and now we have all of this, this, this money coming to the state. And so we're, we want to spend it um, in the best way possible to make sure that we're investing in the future. If, if this money is going to come and we didn't ask for it, but if it's coming, we want to make sure we spend it in, in a way that doesn't create new obligations and ongoing obligations, but that it will, uh, it will be able to benefit our, our kids and grandkids for generations to come. So that means investing in education, investing in infrastructure, investing in those types of things. Um, wh- wh- what I will say is this, the legislature makes those decisions. So We are expecting to have a special session in May. Um, We will call them back into session so that they can uh, decide how to, and and we'll make some recommendations to them, but they will ultimately decide where and how this money gets spent. Uh, But uh, we think there's an opportunity for, again, for Utah to lead out in a very responsible way.
2: And thank you for your call. And you are listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor on KSL News Radio. You can be part of the program. Ask your questions right now. You can call 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. We'll be right back.
3: find us at kslpodcast.com follow us on apple podcasts or anywhere else you listen
1: get your questions answered by the governor call 801-575-8255 to join let, let me, me speak, speak to, to the, the governor, governor on ksl news radio
2: Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Spencer Cox. We are taking your questions again at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at five seven five zero zero. Governor, we have a couple of texters here wanting to know why are we continuing the mask mandate in elementary schools?
0: Yeah, thank you, Maria. This is one we've gotten a, a lot of questions on, and, and look, I assure you, nobody wants this over more 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 than me. I have kids in in uh, in public schools as well, and would love to be done. But there there are there are several reasons for this. Um, the the, the first is we know that, uh, that 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 the the surge early on um came uh, because of uh, of schools, and uh, that that's where those were. Uh, cases were transmitted into people who were more at risk um, while we are getting very close to having uh people vaccinated, especially adults um not uh, we're, we're not there yet we still have a, a long ways to go and and schools are are a, a, a very particular um, area where, where kids, people are in close quarters for a long amount of time inside. And that's the recipe for the, uh, the spread of the virus. Uh, but, but most importantly, Utah has been one of the leading states for keeping kids in school. I was with some school administrators yesterday, and they said, look, because of our testing protocol, because of our mask protocol, we've been able to keep schools open. And if we have spread in schools, uh, massive spread in schools, then we have no question to have to to quarantine and close schools down. And we don't want that to happen. We're so close to the end of the year. And not only that, but there are a whole bunch of kids and families that are still at high risk. And uh, if, if we take away those mask mandates... Those kids won't be able to come in-person learning. We want as many kids there as possible. We want to prevent spread. We're so close to the finish line. We just want to get through the end of this year. We're just a few weeks away. And, uh, and so that's been the recommendation of, of the health professionals. And uh, so, so that's, that's where we're going to go. But, but then we're done. We're, there, there won't be any masks in the fall. Um, we'll be back to normal after that.
2: Staying on the topic of schools, the next texter is asking if any of the federal relief relief money is going towards Chromebooks or iPads. They are concerned because they say their school is about to lose their technical support from Google and want to know if there's any help coming their way.
0: Oh yeah, that, that's interesting. So, um, I'm not familiar with that, that particular, um, issue in that particular school. But the answer is yes. Um, so we, we talked a little bit in the last question about the, the, the money that's coming to the state. Um, there is also a significant amount of money that will be coming to school districts and to individual schools. And, and that's the exact type of thing that they can be used for to make sure that we're enhancing educational opportunities, enhancing education for kids who are falling behind. And of course, making it um, so that that kids uh, can uh, can have access to remote learning when they need it. One of the things I hope we learn coming out of this pandemic is First of all, remote learning is not for everyone, and it's certainly not all the time. That's not a good thing. However, um, it can be and give us an opportunity to fill in some gaps, to give some supplemental learning, and and more importantly, I hope we'll stop sending our kids to school when they're sick, whether you know whether it's COVID nineteen or the flu or a common cold, any of those things. Um, But the reason people do that is they don't want them to fall behind. So if we have these tools available to our kids, then um, when they're when they're sick, they can stay home and not fall behind or or when they're you know w- when they go on 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 sports trips um when w- when they when they have to miss class for a, a drama meet or you know something like that they could still keep up that's the good news there's no reason that we shouldn't have a remote option for kids that need it and uh and this money can be used for that
2: governor our next caller is james in provo and good afternoon james
0: well, good afternoon moran
1: good afternoon governor Anyhow, basically, I just wanted to compliment you, Governor Cox, if I heard the news report right, you're uh, wanting to kind of do what I admire, some self-restraint on uh, gubernatorial powers. And one thought I had, and it doesn't apply to you specifically, but all governors wouldn't be wise to have any, well, I'll just call it an executive order, for a fixed period of time, say 45 days, and it would expire. That way it would allow the legislature or other body to to meet, convene, and kind of collaborate with you and see if the idea of the declaration is good or bad and give input, and wouldn't that be a wise idea to clear across the board for your
0: thoughts? James, thank you, and you're right. I'm the the rare governor who um, agreed that we have to put some guardrails around some of these uh, the executive powers, and I, I think that's so important for people to understand is that in emergency powers, that is, as you said, that that is that is a power that has been delegated from the legislature to the executive branch, so that we can respond in uh, in emergencies because it's it's too hard for the legislature, you know, a broad body to come together, find consensus in a very short amount of time. But there should be limits on uh, on what we do with that, that, executive, uh, that executive power and the timing on that. And so that's exactly what we've done here in the state of Utah. is said, yes, we still want the governor to respond. We don't want to hold the governor back in any way in these emergencies, in any way that would hurt um, people, uh, cost them their lives. We need that ability to respond quickly. However, over time, over 30 days or longer, then we have an opportunity to bring the legislature together to collaborate and find the right solutions and they get to do their job in legislating and represent the people of the state of utah so that's exactly what we've done um we we don't have um the uh uh, usually the executive orders that i i do um are, are always related to policy that has already been passed by legislation it's not um k- kind of extra power that that is granted out there so that's not an issue what you what you i think are talking about though we see at the national level a lot and that is that the president does their thing and the legislature very rarely responds um I do think we have a little bit of a constitutional crisis in that over the past several decades, uh, Congress has 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 given more and more of their power to the, uh, the, the the to the executive branch. I think we have a good balance here in the state of Utah. I don't think we have a good balance in Washington D.C. And I would love to see Congress being uh, being better about uh, about the way that they uh, they respond and that they act as a check on on the executive. And they can do that at any time. There, there doesn't have to be a limit on it. Um, They could could do it. Um, They just need to be willing to exercise their their constitutional authority.
2: All right, James, thanks for your call this morning. Uh, Governor, next texter wants to know what the ultimate reason for you to agree to have all youth athletic sports COVID tested next year?
0: So we we have not made a decision on youth athletics being COVID tested next year. That that's that hasn't happened, okay. and uh, I, I I doubt that that will be the case. Um, I I don't see a scenario again unless unless something has changed and uh, and COVID is still very serious or or deeply impacting our our youth. Um, we we are requiring it through the uh, through the end of this year. And again, <laughs> I, I I know people are seeing this as a restriction, but I, I got to tell you guys. I, I mean, this is we are seen as a national leader. We were able, we have people coming from other states so that their kids can play sports here and they can do so safely. Um, I had an athletic director for a school district tell me um, just this week that um, having that testing protocol saved us. It allowed us and continues to allow us to have these sports, to have these kids participate and to make sure that we don't have any mass spread events. And so it's worked exactly the way it's supposed to work and I'm so proud of our kids. It's amazing. I, I'm telling you, our kids are much more resilient um, and th- than than parents. Um, our kids can do hard things. Uh, they don't complain. Uh, they, they just go out there and, and it's been awesome to see how successful they've been this year. And so we, we want to continue that. But uh, I, I, I'm very doubtful that we would have any, uh, any testing uh, mandated going forward next year.
2: Our next texter is taking us away from COVID. They're concerned about the drought conditions and whether you're considering a statewide ban on fireworks uh, due to the drought
0: well thank you i 'm also very concerned about the drought and uh, we uh, this looking outside right now this has been a great twenty four hours this is exactly what we needed but unfortunately we still have a long ways to go um, Those decisions will be made as we get closer to firework seasons We have a much condensed uh, a much more condensed firework season than we 've had in the past for that very reason and so it will really depend on the conditions leading up to uh, July fourth and july twenty fourth which are the two windows uh, that we have in the state for, for fireworks. And most of those decisions will likely be made uh, by locals and in conjunction with the uh, the state forester and and others, so we, we, we don't make those decisions when it comes to uh, to local areas, but we will certainly work closely with them uh, to help them make the right decisions and to, and to try to slow down and prevent wildfires and we just encourage people be, be careful conserve water this year and uh, and please be careful with anything that you 're doing target shooting um, camping make sure you 're not dragging your chains uh, you're, you know if, if you smoke be, be careful where you, you put out your cigarettes and uh, if, you're, if you're burning at all or doing any prescribed burning, I would just encourage you not to do that right now. It's a lot drier out there than people think and people realize and, and much drier than normal for this time of year.
2: We need to take a break from our bottom of the hour news. A number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us, five seven five zero zero, and we'll be right back.
1: This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL and from you. Call now 801 575 8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for "Let Me Speak to the Governor." I'm Maria Chaleos I'm actually coming to you from in studio. Governor Spencer Cox, however, is joining us from the state capitol in that beautiful gold room, Governor.
0: It's it's the the coolest room in the state. <laughs> it's, it's it's so it's so awesome to be able to do this, and I love the technology uh, that makes it sound like we're we're right next to each other.
2: It is great. Let's go back to our phone lines. We have David in Orem. Good afternoon, David. Well, what I'm is your uh, question? Oh, yeah, my-
0: Yes, Governor, I have a question. I'm one
1: of the many people in the state that are upset about the fact they got rid of the little cards that come in the mail telling me my vehicle's due inspection. Bring those back. If it costs the state money, charge
3: me five bucks.
0: David, uh, you and I are are of the same opinion here. Um, I, so so look, when, when COVID hit, it was, you'll remember it was the end of the legislative session last year. And uh, we came back in a special session. And, and the legislature, to their credit, we do this better than anywhere else in the country. They said, hey, we're going to be really careful. We're not going to spend money we don't have. We don't know what's going to happen over the next year. And so they, they looked for ways that we could peel back and save money. And for some reason, somebody got the idea that this would be a good idea to get rid of. And I told them at the time, I'm on record. I said guys this is a bad idea in fact it will end up costing the state money because um, while we'll save a little you know a, a nickel or a dime here um, so many people will forget to renew their registrations that we'll see a major decline in uh, in people paying their you know paying their, their fair share of, of their, uh, their renewals turns out that David you and I were right and, uh, and the legislature recognizes it too uh, to their credit um, they fixed this in this legislative session so uh, very very soon um, as soon as the law goes into effect we'll be uh, we'll be ramping back up and getting those postcards back out to people uh, to make sure that we're reminded I, I I need the reminder I never look at that sticker on my my license plate I never remember until I get that card in the mail and uh, lots of people are like you and me so the good news is that um government made a mistake, but uh, government is fixing it, and uh, we should be back in business soon.
2: David, thank you so much for your call today. Let's go to our next texter, who Governor is wondering whether there are any plans to help seniors with a tax break on Social Security. They say many other states do, and with rising property taxes, uh, they're worried it's going to push them out of their homes.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of, of great things that happened in this, uh, in this past legislative session, that was one I mentioned earlier that because Utah tightened its belt, because we, we kept our economy open, uh, we were able to invest in education and infrastructure, but also a $100 million tax cut and a significant portion of that tax cut was directed at seniors and uh, social security. We're just one of, uh, maybe eight States, nine States, somewhere in there that still taxed, uh, the, the full social security. And so that is changing. Uh, again, that law will go into effect in uh, in just a few weeks. And uh, people will be able to, they, especially seniors who we are worried about, uh, will be able to uh, to see that reduction in their, um, their tax bill to the state.
2: All right, let's go to our next caller. That is David in Highland. Good afternoon, David. What is your question for the governor?
0: Hi, Governor. Uh, the Utah
1: Jazz is excluding white children from consideration for their scholarship program. Do you think this is racist and what will you do to prevent the Utah Jazz from acting in this racist manner?
0: Well, I, I don't think it's racist. In fact, I, I think it's in response to, unfortunately, some very difficult and, and racist injustices that have happened in our community for a long time. And and, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do for the Utah Jazz. Um, absolutely nothing. Uh, because you know what? I, I believe in the Constitution and I believe in the freedom of, uh, of businesses to make decisions and decisions that are right for them. Um, y- your kid or my kid, they, they have no right to the Utah Jazz's money and the Utah Jazz and, and uh, Ryan Smith can do the things that they want to do with their um, with their with their funds and their revenues. And and look, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome program, and it's something that we should be celebrated. The cool thing is that uh, the Utah Jazz have more wins than any team in the nation, which means that there are more scholarships available for uh, for kids in our state. And uh, and those kids, um, the, these are look, these are kids who are in at-risk communities. These are kids who have struggled. These of kids are kids who have not had access to the same. Opportunities that, that my kids and your kids have had, um, you know, we we live in a nation that, that does have a very difficult history, and sometimes we try to ignore it. Um, a, a history of racial injustice, a history where um, where where of course slavery being the, the the most severe and awful example of that. Um, but 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 look, that stuff does, doesn't go away overnight. And uh, kids, that, we we're working very hard on on equity, um, making sure that every kid in our state has the same opportunities as as others and so looking for ways to uh to lift communities that have been uh, historically um and disproportionately impacted isn't racist at all in fact it's a great way to overcome racist and i'm i'm really proud of the jazz and the great things that they're doing there
2: uh, Governor, our next texter is asking, they are concerned about all the traffic headed up the canyons, especially on the weekends with skiers. They're glad that skiers can enjoy the canyons, but they say that it makes it tough for non-skiers to enjoy the canyons, and they wonder if there is anything in the plans, in the works in our canyons to help out with this traffic congestion.
0: Well, there are. In fact, there are things that we've been working on for a long, long time. Now, this is a difficult issue uh, because you know, anytime you, you're looking to, to fix traffic concerns in a canyon... I and, and there are federal lands all around this, right? So there are lots of different partners. Uh, we've been going through a process. So L- Little Cottonwood Canyon is the is the big one um, that we we talk about frequently. And, uh, we're, we're working really hard, um, on a solution there. We've gone through a process where UDOT has evaluated lots of different options, um, and they will be putting out, um, a preferred alternative. I think there are five or six different options. So, um, it, you know, expanding the roadway there is, is an option. Um, a gondola is an option. Uh, a train is an option they're looking at. Increased bus service up the canyon to get more cars off the road is an option. We're looking at all those options. Um tolling the road is an option, making it a toll road um is 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 one option. There are a whole bunch of different things on the table. So they will come out with a, a preferred alternative, a recommendation, and then the public has an opportunity to weigh in and uh, give us their, their, their ideas, um, what they think uh, they think should happen, which prefer alternative they would prefer. And then we as a state with the legislature will ultimately make a decision on what happens in, in that Canyon and, uh, and see what we can do to uh, increase access and uh, make it so traffic isn't so backed up, especially during ski season. But I'm really excited at the opportunities and uh, looking forward to see what, what shakes out and, and what people, the people of Utah would like. like to see happen there.
2: Governor Linda is next on the line from Cottonwood Heights. Good afternoon, Linda.
3: Good afternoon. I have a suggestion. I'm wondering about doing away with park strips. You know, on the news, they were talking about Las Vegas or the grasses or whatever. And I watched the water go down the gutter. And if we all, you know, if the state came up with a program to help each each of the homes do away, and I don't want gravel because that just ends up in the street, but if if there was some way to either, you know, make all the neighborhood the same, that if, if there was a program to help the families fix that, and I think that would save a lot of water or the drought that we're dealing with. Uh, we have a home or a street that has done all river rock, and it just really looks nice.
0: Thank you, Linda. That, I, I love the way you're thinking. And, uh, and, and that's a, that's a really excellent idea. We, we do. Uh, look, we, we were develop, working to develop new water resources. But as we continue to grow, we are the fastest growing state in the nation over the past 10 years. Interesting. There was an, an article out this week that showed it's not just that a whole bunch of people are moving here. They are, but, but we're, we're not even, at least right now, top 10 for in migration. But the interesting thing about Utah is nobody leaves. Um, we, we were number one in in the nation for people staying here. And so uh, you don't get the turnover that you would normally get. And because of that, uh, we're going to need more water resources over the, uh, the next 30 years. And we're going to have to conserve water and be smarter with the way that we use it. And, and you've touched on one of those great, great opportunities for us to be to be more careful. Now, the Park Strip decision is a local decision. And so we would encourage you to reach out to your your mayor, to your city councils, uh, to help make that decision. Uh, there, there are local uh, planning boards, uh, boards of, uh, of, of uh, zoning boards and planning commissions that work on this. And so I think that's a great way. As you know, we have declared a drought emergency in mid-March because we know, well, we are in a drought right now. And as, if things continue, uh, it's going to be a rough summer. And so we want people to start consulting serving right now. That's one way to do it. I also like the idea of, of incentivizing um, uh, homes uh, to, to to have less grass, which which does require a tremendous amount of, of water. Um, there there are great ways to do that. As you said, there's some just beautiful landscaping out there that happens without the same amount of water as, as we use for our lawns. And so I could see an opportunity um, for us to, uh, to help families that want to do that you know not mandate it but encourage families to do that to uh, to save money and to save water and so I, I like the way you're thinking and we'll certainly talk to our our mayors and and commissioners about park strips and see if we can't do a better job there thank you linda
2: and we are taking your calls and questions at 801-575-8255 you can text us at five seven we'll be right back with our final segment on let me speak to the governor
1: Your questions answered by the governor call 801-575-8255 to join. Let Let me me speak speak to the the governor governor. on KSL news radio.
2: Thank you for spending your noon hour with us, Maria Shalos along with governor Spencer Cox. And we're going to squeeze in as many questions as we can in this last few minutes of the program. Uh, Governor, let's go to David in Salt Lake and David, what is your question for the governor?
0: Um, It's related
1: to traffic as well. Um, We Talk a lot about making roads wider,
0: alternate, um, alternates like uh, trains and things. But are we doing anything in the future to make our roads smarter? Should some of those investment dollars be um, spent on better
1: communications between our phones and the grid system, or, or other other things that would make traffic a lot less in Salt Lake Valley and across the Wasatch River.
0: Yeah, yeah, David. Thank you. Great, great question. And, and the answer is yes. Um, so, so of course we have we, we have the the money that we have in the state from the gas tax as well as the general fund. About I think about six hundred million dollars from the general fund um, goes to uh, to roads. And uh, Utah is, is actually uh, known nationally and internationally uh, for innovation. Uh, and UDOT has been very engaged in in trying to make our roads smarter uh, to improve the grid. Uh, we we have the um, the, the the center. The the, the U dot center down here where all of the technology comes together we've been expanding our fiber optic network connecting our our street lights as well as the um, the, the cameras all across the state uh, to bring them into uh, to one location to use algorithms to try to time those lights in a way that make it better and easier for people to uh, to get where they're going uh, more quickly and, and 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 looking at a whole host of new technologies that are out there including by the way um, drones and uh, the the ability for Automated uh, uh, vehicles, uh, both both uh, above the ground and on the ground. Um, so, so driverless vehicles. We're working closely with manufacturers and innovators in those spaces as well. And uh, and U. Dot. Um, they, they've done all of these things. In fact, um, they have a, a partnership with, uh, with Panasonic that will uh, allow them to accelerate development toward a statewide system for collecting, monitoring, and sharing connected and auto- uh, autonomous vehicle data. And, and so this is, this is really exciting stuff that will be happening. It's a $50 million partnership, and uh, that Panasonic's going to help UDOT install intelligent sensors along selected sections of Utah roadways. So there's some we're, we're on the cusp of some really big advances. We have not had advancements in transportation um, for a long, long time. And uh, it's exciting to see where the future is is coming and that Utah is at the forefront of, of some of those innovations.
2: Thank you for your call today. Governor, we don't often hear from 12th graders, so we have one that is texting us from the Utah Military Academy. And this person wants to know what you have to say about the medical studies done about the detriments to student health due to wearing masks. Uh, They say they had to be treated by EMTs for hypoxia because they weren't exchanging CO2. And uh, so they're wondering what your thoughts are on that.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Utah uh, Military Academy is a great school. It's amazing. So, so, um, there, there, um, there are some fake studies out there, <laughs> some, uh, some, some internet studies out there that have been done around this. Uh, but, but, uh, real studies have shown that there is, is very very negligible impacts uh, to, to mask on on just about anybody um, a few a few cases out there uh, a, a few uh, again very very small cases and uh, the the that uh, the 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 positives of wearing mask far 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 outweigh again as, as I said before on on the vaccine issue um, as 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 human beings, we are really, really bad at assessing risk. And uh, this is one of those cases where, um, unfortunately people are getting their information off of Facebook and not from real doctors and not from, um, from real medical studies that have been done. And, uh, and so it's unfortunate. Now, if you're one of those people that, that has actually had an impact, obviously that's a really big deal. And, uh, and, and certainly, um, something that, that, uh, that, that, that needs to be treated, uh, but we we have not had any significant uh, impacts uh, from the studies that have been uh, that have been vetted uh, through nationally, internationally, and uh, and so we we are we're doing everything possible. Y- your risk of, uh, of of an adverse effect from the COVID reaction is is uh, magnitudes greater than from a mask wearing.
2: Let's take our next caller, and that is Pete in Ogden. Good afternoon, Pete.
1: Hey, Governor, what's up? Hey, my question is, when are they going to fix the roads to fix the potholes instead of fixing our cars? I'd like to buy a new car and having those California people move here. We made a mistake on that by building more homes. Thank you.
0: Pete, thank you. Uh, I I need your energy today. Um, it's it's, Me so too. To, <laughs> it's so great to so great to have you on here. So so Pete Pete, I'm going to give you the good news first. Okay, um, the good news is just this week uh, there was a study done on the infrastructure, including roads, of every state in the nation. Um, here's the good news, and that is that Utah came out first uh, amongst that. We have the best roads and the best infrastructure of any state in the nation. So we should be uh, really excited about that. Now 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 Pete here's Here's the bad news. Um, we got a C plus, right? So if you're grading on a curve, we got the A, but uh, unfortunately, we're not grading on a curve. It means we still have some work to do. Now, here's the thing. UDOT is always fixing the roads uh, to ensure the maintenance of the roads and bridges. We know that good roads cost less, and uh, and so the cost to maintain a road is lower than the cost to replace a road if they fall into disrepair. Utah does a really good job of that. Um, we supplement our gas tax with about $600 million a year in uh, in in uh, general fund taxes. And and uh, that's that's great stuff, but. However, local roads uh, and this is something where I pushed the legislature last year we were able to get more funding. Um we suspect that uh that, that we'll get more infrastructure funding from the federal government. There's a deal I know that the that uh that the administration is working on with Congress right now which will help local governments because they have not gotten what they need. The uh, the gas tax has not kept up with the cost of of roads. So we we actually have a, a need and, and an opportunity um, to uh, to help local governments. It's something I push for in this legislative session. We were able to get some additional funding for local governments, but we need to get them even more so that they can keep up with the potholes in their areas. Now, as far as the Californians moving here, look, um, that's not how it works. You can't keep people from moving to a state. Um, that's not how the United States work, never has. Um, we're building homes for our kids. Uh, they're, they're, while there are lots of Californians moving here, it's, it's less than people think. Most of the houses are being taken up by our kids and grandkids we have the youngest population in the nation we have more kids per capita than anywhere else in the country that means we need homes for our kids to live here um but that means you know uh, this isn't uh, this th- this this isn't north korea people get to move and live where they want to live um the fact that people want to live here means we're doing something right my only ask for the people is look you want to come here for a reason don't try to turn us into the place that you left uh try to try to keep us there's a reason you love utah it's because we have these awesome conservative values that have made utah such a great place um, and uh, there's a reason you're leaving California, so don't don't try to make us exactly like the place you left. That's my only ask,
2: oh, Governor. We have so many people still on the line, so many questions still to be answered. Uh, hopefully, people will join us again next month for Let Me Speak to the Governor. Thanks for being here today.
0: Thank you, Maria,
2: and have a great afternoon, Boyd Matheson. Inside sources coming up next from one to three here on KSL News Radio.
3: That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.